wait, but your search for God cannot wait. And then I've then added to it because I felt that that wasn't enough. I've then added it to it. And I've said, know it now or in a thousand incarnations. Now, this is these are direct words from Guruji's writings, but they're so potent. And it's, you know, the guru disciple relationship is is potent. I mean, it will take you, Guru, you know, Guruji says that you think you're putting all this effort to develop, you know, these spiritual qualities and awareness, but you don't realize how much help is available to you and how much God is doing for you. For example, he said, you know, on, on this path, 25% is your effort. 25% is the blessings of the guru and 50% is the grace of God. So you only have only have to take care of this 25%, but that 25% you must do. And if you want to make use of the other 25% from the guru then and God, which is the other 50. So 75% is available to you if you develop this quality of trust and faith and and you know unconditional unconditional practice um you know doing doing your practice with faith and without expectation of you know samadhi bliss on on year one namaste sweet souls my name is shilpa and you're listening to the omni mindfulness podcast i am a mindset and meditation coach for professional women and mompreneurs The purpose of this show is to offer stories and content that allows you to increase your awareness of your authentic self and be inspired by connecting to the personal and professional stories of other souls. Souls who are walking the walk and living everyday human experiences with inspired intentions. These are the stories that will expand your consciousness and spark within you to ask, what if? Each season, I offer content to help you create a holistic lifestyle that embodies spirituality, mindfulness, mindset, and energy awareness. Through my conversations with experts in their niche area and solo cast from yours truly, my intention is to help you holistically revitalize, reset, and relax your body, mind, and spirit. I'm your host and founder of Omni Mindfulness. So ask yourself, what if just one story could be the catalyst to shift the trajectory of my life? What if I become instrumental in serving other souls to realize their true self? And what if my soul's higher purpose is in the realization of omni-mindfulness joy? It's never too late to rewrite your story. And now, today's episode. Welcome back, sweet souls. This is your host, Shilpa. I wanted to share some exciting news about a little challenge I'm running as I'm trying to get more people to discover this podcast and the conversations that inspire those who value personal growth. And the best way to do that is to leave reviews. You can leave a review on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. So my request to you is to leave a review if you feel that you've received any value at all from these episodes of Omni Mindfulness. 
It would mean so much to me if you could write a little review regarding any episode that resonated with you. Please take a screenshot of that review and email it to me at omnimindfulness at gmail.com. In return, I will offer you my one-page guide to spark your meditation practice through Sankalpa. Sankalpa is a Sanskrit word for intention setting. Along with this, you'll receive a link to my guided meditation that will guide you through an intention setting meditation, positive affirmations, which you can practice daily. I guarantee that this gift will help you start a daily intention setting practice with a spark. It is my gift for you for being a listener, being a supporter, and of course, to enable you to manifest the best meditation practice. And we are now in my fifth podcast season, exploring the topic of spirituality. Each month, my guest and I delve deeper. In January, we explore spiritual entrepreneurship. In February, spiritual leadership and wisdom. And wrapping up with spiritual awareness in March. Stay tuned. And up next is Priyank Patel. Priyank is a spiritual aspirant devoting his life purpose to his guru, Paramahansa Yogananda. He is from London and works as a chartered engineer. He is the co-host of the spiritual podcast Yogananda. His Yogananda podcast connects seekers from all around the world in an engaging, relatable, and conversational style, focusing on the spiritual classic Autobiography of a Yogi line by line and the documentary movie Awake, the life of Yogananda, minute by minute. And now, here is Priyank. Thank you for being here, Priyank. Absolute pleasure. So this brings us to the third part on spiritual awareness, which is something that's been really true to my heart. Um, I did a lot of intuitive searching a few months ago on what topics do I want to explore? And I believe it was Yogananda sort of giving me a hint of that awareness. And so I actually made it my mission in the last several months, like to truly introspect on this idea of not only just awareness, but something higher, spiritual awareness. What is that? It seems so lofty. So what are your thoughts on spiritual awareness? So this, this out of your three topics, this comes to the core of uh, the purpose of our birth, as it were, and the purpose of our existence, which is, call it uh, self-realization, you can call it enlightenment, you can call it many things and many religions do, but it's essentially the same, which is, uh, our, you know, the realization of our true selves and our ultimate nature and anything that takes you to that spiritual that lofty goal or that meaning um is is encapsulated in in a practice which is spiritual awareness um and that can be on the gross to the most subtle level um if we start with the gross the gross levels i.e what, what can you do with your hands and what can you do with your mind um, and how can you devote those practices and purify those practices for your ultimate purpose um, there's that that's the most gross elements and the most subtle elements would be a, pra- a very specific 
technique of meditation that takes you to that state you know that pure still stillness state perhaps where you can touch that divine divine experience within your own consciousness or your own awareness and i am i'm thinking of a quote it's i have it somewhere here but the gist of it is yogananda says something that you can um have self-realization in this lifetime in this life yeah and how does that tie to self, um, spiritual awareness for, for most people it's, it seems like a stretch like what is self-realization and how can you have it in one lifetime maybe any thoughts on that yeah i i personally i found it useful just to keep the idea of self-realization self-realization as an idea or enlightenment as an idea that i know about because i've read about it or guruji has described it yogananda has described this experience he calls it an experience in cosmic consciousness it's a chapter in his autobiography of yogi and he's entitled a poem called samadhi and it's a very beautiful description of this um of this experience um but it's so those words he asks us to memorize yeah but he doesn't ask oh he's probably he's probably sure was getting the the words out because <laughs> she's probably hopefully working on memorizing them but um he doesn't he doesn't whilst meditating we can't we can we i think it's better just to keep that idea for me it's better just to keep that idea in my consciousness somewhere but whilst meditating i'm just focusing on very simple things in spiritual awareness i stillness and creating that loving joy within me and that uh, you know that 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 speaking to god in the language of my heart and listening for the response all these very simple very simple um simple concepts and you know yogananda says you know if you experience that peace if you experience that joy um as an after effect of meditation you know you should consider that that's that's the blessing that god god has responded um, so I like to focus on <laughs> being a simple-minded person. I like to focus on the simple things as opposed to the lofty goal that the simple things will get you to. I I agree with you on that one because I've been practicing my most of my life. However, it gets so lofty, like the Samadhi poem, which maybe at the end I'll read off to our viewers. But it's it's esoteric at best for me. And at the end of the day, I start the day with saying, I am present, whether it's here or with my breath. And I'm going to take simple action every day and then surrender the results. Because otherwise it just becomes too difficult. Mm. This idea of awareness through techniques that will give us ultimate enlightenment. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, the, giving the results to God is a is an important one, isn't it, um, Jilpa? Because uh, it's not just that you know when you give, for example, when you give charity, when you donate, you're giving something physical and tangible, uh, your hard earned work to um, to a charity or a good cause. So, but do you, if you fail, <laughs> say you uh, say you fail in an endeavor, um, do you give that to God? You have to, don't you? You have to give. You give God both. All, all. It's all. It's all Maya. It's all. We're in the delusive 
existence right now so the the win or the loss you know being even-minded giving both to to god is the is the ultimate state so don't be afraid to give your winnings and your losses to god and it's all energy so if that energy was manifested in a way that appears to be at the present moment as a failure ultimately it was energy that you put into with good intention and then you surrender that energy yeah and out of out of that loss can sometimes come something quite beautiful kind of yes and that's where the another uh, level of awareness comes in is understanding synchronicity and timing and there was a purpose i think you mentioned that a lot in your, your podcasts that what appeared to be not the right path and later something else reveals itself Mm. was taking you down another avenue mm. absolutely i'm just reminded of the the butterfly stories you know how like a caterpillar goes through all that eats all that junk food and then goes through that pain and then the transition of becoming a butterfly so you okay. lost the lost the gross body of like a butterfly and became sorry gross body of a caterpillar and became more subtle and beautiful in the butterfly form which is i think is a really good analogy for our lives isn't it that loss that you may may you may think that is a loss but actually it could be something there probably will be there no doubt will be something far greater on the other side a rainbow it reminds me of isn't there the yogan in the story where he truly wanted his uncle to help him and at the time his uncle resisted do you recall when he was trying to escape in the train early when he was still a child and I can't, was, can't recall that one. I, I'm, his brother, perhaps? Maybe it was his brother, but I thought it was his uncle who normally can be relied on to help him. And at the oh, point, yes. But, yeah, no. Uh, were you thinking of his brother in law, perhaps? Maybe, maybe. It yeah. was you could rely on, but it turned out to be for the better that he was told no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so one of the few questions we had considered discussing is what does it mean to be spiritually awake and how does a soul navigate to a place where they cultivate spiritual awareness perhaps mm. you've covered this already but maybe for people who are still becoming familiar with the spiritual path what does that mean yoganaz has got a very powerful prayer for this concept and I'll just uh, um, recite it if you'll allow me. I, I use this, this, this is one of my go-to prayers when I'm leading a service as well. It starts like, O blazing light, awaken my heart, awaken my soul, ignite my darkness, tear the veil of silence and fill my temple with thy glory. And I think in each of those lines i mean you could make it very yogananda often encouraged us to use affirmations and affirmations are these like positive thought ideas and making them you know affirming them again and again and yogananda's he's got a whole book on you know scientific healing affirmations it's, it's got you know maybe a thousand different affirmations in there so you can always find something that's very very relevant to your life at that time um and affirmations is a very very powerful way and i think like in um you know the, 
Western science, when Western medicine is coming to grips with the positive impact of uh, psychiatry, the, the positive impact of um, you know positive affirmations and confirming and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, going back to your um, your question, cultivating spiritual awareness, um, you really have to. You have to. You, it's not something that you can force, is it? Um, your desire, your desire for these lofty goals has to really come come from come from within um and it takes it takes like on the first level it takes um a level of like deduction like um you know with 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 my relationships that i have with my lifestyle with the things that i'm filling my time with what am i doing what am i achieving what am i trying where am i trying to go and then you'll 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 go if you really introspect you'll see that it's not about that relationship with that person it's not really about having this fancy car it's not about all these gross things it's about it's about something much much deeper so you on, on the first le level you have to really introspect about your whole life and your whole life's purpose and and you can use it whilst you're doing that you can use like a generic um scripture that's universal so for example if you read if you read um the bhagavad gita <laughs> and so bhagavad gita is this uh, it's called bhagavad gita means the song of the soul which is a very apt name and it's the most revered scripture uh, in indian philosophy um and the reason for that is because it's 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 very short <laughs> it's very simple um and um and it's very universal you know there's no there's no need for blind belief in in any part of that scripture it's just it speaks to uh it speaks to your soul if you if you read it you'll see that it just speaks to the ultimate truth which is undeniable it's you know it was spoken 5000 years ago but every single line you'll see is applicable then as it is now um and that that interestingly where does that take place um you wouldn't think it but there's a whole colossal war going on called the mahabharat in 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 the wider scripture um between two two uh, a family between a set of cousins as it were and uh, so there's this whole there's a whole epic called mahabharat and it's very very long it's a story within a story within a story and one of the stories within a story within the stories one of the generals arjuna he doesn't he's in the middle of the battlefield and his conscience tells him oh my god i can't i can't fight these soldiers <laughs> they're my cousins i know them you know they're my they're my, my own blood flesh and blood and krishna who is his charioteer charioteer or his guide in his life says no not only you can but you must is your spiritual duty and yogananda interestingly in his commentary on the bhagavad gita says that the whole of the mahabharata and the whole of the bhagavad gita is actually it's all metaphorical so who is arjuna fighting who is he trying to kill those cousins and those family that's on his on the other side of the battlefield are all those qualities within himself that he doesn't want to let go of his ego is so attached to these things that he thinks are there for his ultimate well-being but actually they're not there they're, they're the things that are holding you down and it takes a lot of 
um, on the first level, as I said, introspection, on the second level, will, and the third, faith, and all these other qualities for you to muster up that strength. And we'll go back to that analogy, that story he gave a brother and another boy and grabbing that snake. All those, all those things are prerequisites for you to muster up the strength to pick up that snake that's, you know, that you think is going to kill you, but it's actually within your control, especially if your guru has told you and Arjuna, Krishna was guiding him. So, you know, Krishna was God. So God was guiding Krishna, uh, Arjuna to, to fire the arrows, but he dropped his weapons. Can you imagine? So he dropped his physical weapon, but also mentally dropped his mental state. And if you if you read uh, that scripture, and if you want to read more, that God talks with Arjuna is what uh, Yogananda has his translation is, um, and it's the level of depth it goes on to is is just mind blowing. And what's interesting about the the battle is that really that's the inner battle that all of us are going through. So for those who are thinking, oh, Priyank and Shilpa are talking about these esoteric spiritual concepts, but mm -hmm. they're really relevant to the everyday human being, because if you want to cultivate some level of peace, we are all challenged with fighting our demons. And sometimes it's our, what we call the analogy of our brothers and sisters. Mm. Bhishma, one of the one of the persons he has to carry, uh, kill on the other side of the battlefield is um, Bhishma. And Bhishma is his, I believe, Arjuna's uh, grandfather. Um, so, and Yogananda describes Bhishma as uh, ego consciousness. So he was this, he was this, he was this great uh, soldier in, in the Mahabharata, and uh, he was very wise. But he he represent Yogananda said his his name and his 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 um, stature was one of his ego consciousness. So Arjuna is try, has to kill the ego consciousness within himself. And interestingly, Bhishma in the story of Mahabharata says that he can he had a boon that he can determine when he dies so he can decide when he leaves the body and uh, if uh, and he, he so after he was shot he was still alive so he was shot with a barrage of arrows by Arjuna and Bandavas but uh, and but he was still alive because he had this boon and Yogananda says that he decides the ego decides <laughs> you, you decide the ego is the last thing to go <laughs> you have to but you have to pluck up that courage to to kill that ego because if you once you knock out the ego, then that is, and then all that's left is is your pure soul, diamond nature. Yeah, I, and often in the Western society, we are told. I mean, I've been told this when I was much younger, in trying to um, practice things that seemed esoteric to others. That oh well, Shilpa, everybody has an ego, like. Perhaps that ego is the very thing that holds us back at times. So, yeah, I mean it's useful. Yeah. <laughs> Egos are useful, right? It's if you're playing a, a, on the stage <laughs> to play the different various roles, but you're a fool then if you don't know where the stage ends and when where your life begins. If that if that ego is um, is ruling both the on stage performances and the off stage performances, then who's you're the biggest fool on there. <laughs> When you, that's why it's dangerous that's when it's dangerous and mm -hmm. you, you mentioned um another concept that i i feel like it comes back to the same thing i've mentioned a few times that a lot of this is about trust 
when we're gaining awareness of who we are. But then what do you do when all this information surfaces up? What do you do when um, the ego is challenging you that, in a way that's hurting you long-term? Sometimes even recognizing it is hard. And the, when we talked about Brother Nandamoy, a lot of that was getting outside of the mind, but also having the trust in the guru. So maybe you could share a little bit about that, because I have a quote that I think you, you would appreciate. But when it comes to trusting your guru, and how does that tie to awareness? Yeah, well, you can, you can do it yourself without having trust. But how many more lifetimes do you want to take? It's like, you know, you, um, you want to learn maths. I mean, there are some geniuses out there that can just pick up the pen and paper and just go, right? But most of us, <laughs> the vast majority of us rely on the maths teacher. But once you've, once the maths teachers taught you, you know, the, the first principles, uh, then you can go off on your own, but you can always go back to the maths teacher when you have a problem. And same is true for the guru. Um, guru, what does the guru mean? Guru, guru means dispeller, dispeller of darkness. Now, it's up to you whether you want to make use of that help. <laughs> if you don't want to make use of that help and do try and do everything, reinvent everything, you know, all of the spiritual process by yourself, then you're free to but how much longer? And there's no guarantee of the results either. Um, I mean, um, one of Guruji's famous quotes is, um, is um, I've actually got it on my um, outside. I've got a meditation room and one of, the, one of the, I've got a little quote, handwritten quote that I wrote. And in it that says, um, everything, everything else can wait, but your search for God cannot wait. And then I've then added to it because I felt that that wasn't enough. I've then added it to it. And I've said, know it now or in a thousand incarnations. Now, this is, these are direct words from Guruji's writings, but they're so potent. And, it, you know, the guru-disciple relationship is, is potent. I mean, it will take you, Guru, you know, Guruji says that you think you're, putting all this effort to develop you know these spiritual qualities and awareness but you don't realize how much help is available to you and how much god is doing for you for example he said you know on on this path 25% is your effort 25% is the blessings of the guru and 50% is the grace of god so you only have only have to take care of this 25% but that 25% you must do. And if you want to make use of the other 25% from the guru then and God, which is the other 50. So 75% is available to you if you develop this quality of trust and faith and, and you know, unconditional, unconditional practice, um, you know, doing, doing your practice with faith and without expectation of, you know, med samadhi bliss on on the year one. <laughs> we live in an instant uh, satisfaction, uh, gratification society. But that is not how the most profound elements of life work. I mean, to to become to become a doctor, how many years of education do you have to go through? A few things about that. And you absolutely nailed the quote that I was going to use. It's from today, 
January 11th spiritual diary. And he, that was the same point about how much effort it takes. And without a guru, the average person, how much longer it takes. There's potent force behind that. And there are times, again, I, I'm human, I slip. There are times when other priorities seem to nudge at me and tell me, well, do this or go do this for my son. All these things come up in the morning. And then I'll be like, well, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Next thing I know, days have gone by and I haven't done the practice that I should the way I need to. But going back to what you said, what uh, Sri Dishwarshi said, like, uh, Guruji, or not, you know, your practice comes first. Everything can wait. But search for God cannot wait. Because otherwise, days will go by. And then you will see the results for myself. Too many days go by, and then I'm edgier. There's nervousness. There's a little bit of fear. And other parts of your life start breaking down because the energy that is necessary to uplift your soul is being depleted. Mm -hmm. So, yes. And then finally, I think you already covered this, but discuss how our guru's life purpose was to bring to the West scientific techniques. Now, those techniques are, I believe Guruji refers to them as the airplane route. Yeah. To the help the human gain the ultimate state of awareness. Absolutely, it is the airplane route. <laughs> and I mean, I when before I uh, committed myself to Yogananda as my guru, I did uh, did did some exploration, <laughs> as it's important for all people on that uh, venturing on the spiritual path to do. So I I, vent I ventured out to various different organizations and different techniques, and and then. And then I tried them. Sincerely, did try to try the other organizations' methods and techniques. But as soon as I tried um, Guruji's techniques, um, <laughs> I, you know, I mentioned I'm a I'm an engineer, so very scientific background. And Yogananda has really foresaw how scientific the humanity was going to become with application of teachings such as religious teachings and spiritual teachings and i found that yogananda not only met my you know heartfelt uh, need for a scientific explanation for the teachings but actually also far and above exceeded it in terms of how deep it can be and i was thinking of it before i read his work works i i didn't think of it in actually that much depth that, that i thought i did and there was like this i was just looking at the surface of a of a pool and with infinite uh, infinite cave-like depth that uh, guruji then explains um, and you know he explains the first you know in, in the autobiography for example there's a chapter called the science of kriya yoga and uh it's it's profound. It's a profound chapter on the treatise. It's a treatise on the the whole of the yoga process and the meaning. And it's it's the words themselves are a work of art. How he's how he's put it together is just mind blowing. And it's meant for you know he wrote he wrote that a hundred years ago, but it's meant for today's age. We're in the ascending Dvapura Yoga, which is a, which is the age that we're we're in, um, and the language that he uses and the techniques the techniques are, are not new <laughs> you know krishna taught 
Yogananda says Krishna taught Arjuna the same technique and in the Bhagavad Gita which is the scripture that I mentioned earlier the technique is in there so that that scripture is that 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 war took place 5,000 years ago but Guruji says the technique in the lower ages the Kali Yuga which is the the darker ages um, it was lost and then a few hundred years ago when we were entering the ascending Dvapara Yuga um, the the mentality or the cap the consciousness of man was heightened enough to be receptive again to these teachings and hence the need for uh, Yogananda Vivekananda Ramakrishna Paramahansa to bring you know bring back these techniques into the consciousness of man now it's up to us to make use of <laughs> their births um, and you know there's 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 two or three layers that you can apply. So if you go to uh, uh, I know Shilpa, you're near Encinitas, the the meditation center there, but uh, the, the self realization fellowship centers around the world. There's one in London, and there's, there's a few in Clara, California, for example. But if you go to um, any of those you know centers, um, they may sh show you an introductory meditation technique such as 20-20-20 breathing um, and it's it's very basic but it's very 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 powerful as well even that simple one sometimes I only do that one and it's it's beautiful um, and then then there's the next layer is if you want to scratch beneath that surface <laughs> then there's the, you become a lessons lesson student and then there's there's two or three higher techniques um, the hum saw and the orm technique um, and then if you go a bit further than that, then that then that requires you pledging your loyalty and your investing into the guru-disciple relationship. And then the highest technique for the ages is the Kriya technique. And that's what's given after you establish that relationship. And that relationship is important because without the, remember we talked about the 25, 25, 50, the, the ratio, without you pledging your your loyalty and your allegiance then that 75 can't even if you did your 25 it won't be available because you haven't you haven't gained access to that portal of that 75 percent which is why a guru is so important because it's the portal to that blessing and the guidance and the grace of, of god so that all these techniques are just beautifully chiseled for today's age and you're going to if you if you read his work if you read the language and the way he describes the techniques um it's just it's for a scientific temperament such as my my own it uh, ex exceeds far above and beyond my uh, limited expectations back then you know i recently attended an energy summit and what was not accessible to me maybe 10 years ago was available in this summit is this true knowledge now that um we are these here maybe a physical being we are there's so many layers of our bodies and our energy um is shifted based on what we are doing so these techniques shift the energy and if those who are aware of the chakras it helps uh light up so to speak mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the different layers um which may be subtle energy that um not all of us can recognize or feel but if you are a scientific mind you realize that you're making a shift mm. now one thing you mentioned in one of your podcasts is the coming ages what will occur of the state of awareness through these techniques 
Well, I think we all already kind of you get glimpses of it, like um, hunches. <laughs> you have a hunch sometimes, right? And then sometimes you're very confident that your hunch is true, whether it's the way a relationship is going to manifest or how someone's going to react to this, that, the other. You or like what what is going to transpire, what is going to what event is going to come about. All these are very subtle um, things. Uh, like telepathy and things like that but in the higher ages these were very common to practitioners of, of yoga so as as you know we're in the middle of the dvapara yoga and the higher ages um so we're in the Dwap, in dvapara yoga uh, we started getting in touch with atomic energies so like uh, you know just you know 80 years ago we developed the atomic bomb and we have nuclear energy you know a pool of uh, and now we have nuclear fusion so like we're fusing atoms now and, and apparently from there we can we can uh, if they if, if there was a breakthrough just recently where they they got out more energy than they put in and if that happens it's this infinite infinite potentially infinite uh, uh, pool of energy that we can we can have um so yeah so we, we, we're mastering our ability to manipulate energy in this in this uh, dwapara yoga and in the ascending so we're ascending so it descends and ascends so we're in the ascending phase um so then after that there's the there's the treta yuga where like things like um, telepathy and things like that and control over the mind and force will be much more prevalent and then the highest days is, is the satya yuga where there'll be very minimal suffering everyone will be very conscious and there'll be much more love and that's the highest that's the highest age that uh, you can live in uh, the cycle Sri Bishwar describes in uh, the book called The Holy Science, uh, which you can which you can read. It's a fascinating read if you uh, if you're into that. Absolutely, I wish we were in Satya Yuga now. <laughs> <laughs> but there's probably um, some souls that are already on that vibrational level here for a purpose because it takes a while to generate that momentum. Um, Absolutely. So speaking of awareness, it starts small. As you said, we're in ascending age. What came to mind was that the generation of the future, like my son, I've got him started on Hangsa and the techniques, and it's he just thinks it's commonplace. And I'm hoping that more children are part of that, um, I would say, environment. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's certainly a better time to be born now, wouldn't you say, in terms of spiritual openness and uh, also what what's available. Um, just very simply, in terms, like for example, when 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 you and I, Shilpa, started doing lessons, there are these old manuscript typewritten lessons, <laughs> typewriter, you know, very old. Um, the structure was very archaic, um, and you have to work hard to extract you know those those fruits you have to study hard but now like there's a new format of lessons you know there's there's a phone there's a there's the lessons on the phone there's supplementary videos like there's this technique that we do called energization which is about directing the prana or the life energies from the cosmic source to you the medulla you know through the spiritual eye and then up through to all the body parts and regenerating your um your energies there's there's that and life uh, and physiology there's so there's that technique and um in the um 
lessons it's described and you do it every day it takes 15 minutes um before your meditation practice and guruji says it's better even than asanas better even than hatha yoga because you're working with the energy directly to heal and uh, energize a weakened part um but now we have the lessons app and we have animations and we have videos and people talk about we've got access to all this wealth of material online and Shilpa, I know you don't you you live um I I you live a bit further from the center, but there's people that live nowhere near a center to meditate in a group. But now we have these online meditations that people can be part of, which are you know a very valuable resource because not everyone not everyone likes to meditate alone in a room by themselves. They like the fellowship element. Also, our convocation, which is an annual um gathering that's been occurring for I forget how many years, 50, 60? Mm, yep. Um, it's been occurring online now just because of COVID, but it's brought me more value than it had because I live in Encinitas, which is further away from LA. And as a mother, it was it didn't feel too right to drive that far. Mm. But now I attend more services online. But and I live close by to Encinitas, which okay. tying back to awareness to Yogananda. This entire town that I live in is um, saturated with yoga and meditation. Every direction you go, there's probably a picture of Yogananda. <laughs> and I believe even Ravi Shankar lived here and one of the Beatles lived here. Then it's just, what do you call the environment vibration is, has been lifted by his presence. Mm-hmm. Well, he spent a lot of time there, right? Working on his writings and his uh, momentous, monumental works, literary works. Absolutely. So his energy is uh, steeped in those places, no doubt. Absolutely. Well, this was wonderful. Any parting words as we close on this topic of spiritual awareness? Yeah, it was very, very beautiful. Thank you so much for inviting me, um, Shilpa. I was, I was unsure of uh, what I would talk about, but hopefully we've, I've certainly benefited from your uh, line of probing, questioning uh, Shilpa, um, <laughs> I hope I haven't out. exhausted you since you're in London and you're probably ready for way ready for bed. No, no, no exhaustion here. We have pools of infinite uh, energy available to us, especially for talking about uh, the the teachings and the life lessons and the benefits that the grace of our Guru Yogananda has given us. So we could talk all night, I'm sure. I could. Well, I <laughs> hope I can have you back in a future episode. But we covered three beautiful areas. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Jai Guru. Jai Guru. Thanks again for tuning in. Check out the links in the description. And please subscribe, follow, and share. And continue to practice Omni Mindfulness.